As, uh, as you know, uh, one of the reasons that we have uh, hired Dan Theobald on as our children's church director is I think this year there will be 32 babies born in the church. So in a couple of years, it's, um, we already have a, a lot of kids, but it's, uh, it's going to uh, get even more hectic. Today we're in our third week of our road trip, and I asked a few people to bring their campers today. Uh, these campers, as you can see, are basically homes on, and hotels on wheels. Uh, and the owners will tell you it's kind of like taking part of your home with you when you go camping. And, and camping is a world, uh, and campers, all of its own. And, and everywhere you go, you find campgrounds and, and camper hookups. And, and a lot of families use camping and campers as getaways to escape the pressures of life and, and to take their own road trips uh, to still be together as families. And today, where we're dedicating these children, remembering that, that when you're on your deathbed, who is it that's going to be around you, and who are you going to want around you? It's going to be your family. See, in today's scripture passage, we're looking at the Christians after the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 1 through 4. Peter is preaching the gospel. Every man hears in his own language. And about 3,000 respond and are saved. And starting in Acts 2.42 that you heard Brian read today, we see the beginning of the church and Christians coming together, teaching and preaching, and they got all things in common, sharing, uh, they got generous hearts, they are, they're eating and fellowshipping in community. The Christians are, are being family. Well, today I want to think about family. And each family in this church is on a road trip. You're on this road trip of life as part of Mount Pisgah, the church family, as, as a bigger family too. And as you are also on this road trip, you're part of a biological family. We're your mom and dad, the children, I have to throw this in, grandparents, now that I'm one. And what does this road trip look like? Well, it's about finding time to connect as a family. It's about finding time to connect as a family. You know, we go from football and dance to Facebook. You go from homework to haircuts. Uh, you oversleep to overwork. And, and that doesn't even include the church activities that are here Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Friday morning, Saturday morning. And this week with the trick-or-treat in our church on Wednesday, we, last year we had 700 people through here. See, we all do family under pressure, don't we? Just to illustrate, you know, if you, if you think about how many of you today are under pressure vocationally or under time pressure or financial pressure, relational pressure, you may be sitting next to your pressure. And if that doesn't help, how about election pressure? Uh, we're all under some kind of pressure. And, and how many of you believe that the, the season of your life right now is, is the highest pressure? Because we make so many commitments in life, and with each commitment, we feel like that we are, are in prison with no options. Pressure at home, pressure at work, pressure with finances, pressure with the family. But let me tell you, 
it's all a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. Maybe we should view our pressures and our hectic life as a platform instead of a prison. In other words, those pressures of life are opportunity God gives us for His glory because each commitment we make is really a layer of influence. It's a layer of leadership God has given you in your life. But if you view it as a prison, you're going to try to figure out how, how you can escape it. Where if you view it as a platform, you're going to figure out how do I embrace it, this pressure, this schedule. And how do I maximize all these opportunities that you see as pressures for the glory of God? And maybe your pressures won't change, but if your perspective changes... That can change your whole life. So your pressure is not a prison to escape, but it's a platform to embrace. And, and your family is a God-given platform. Think about it. You don't get many choices in life when it comes to family, do you? Uh, you don't pick your parents. You don't pick your brothers or sisters. You don't get to choose your kids. The only choice you have comes to that person you marry. Your spouse. After that, your choices are done. So you don't get a lot of choices when it comes to family. So how do you handle the pressures? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. And let me challenge you, first of all, to choose joy under pressure. If you go through your Facebook and Instagram and look at the photos that you have posted and maybe your your cover photos over the last couple of years and pick out your favorites my guess is your favorites are going to be the ones with smiles the common thread of the of the Facebook pictures and Instagram pictures that you're going to like is the joy on the faces where the picture keeps those moments and that joy alive in your memory from that date and isn't that what we should want from family? More joy? But isn't that tough when bills show up in the mailbox and when stuff breaks down around the house and when kids are arguing in the back seat of the car and there's deadlines and there's homework? So how do you have joy under pressure? Philippians tells us, it says to us, here's the context. In Philippians, Paul is writing from a prison. Here's the content as Paul writes from that prison. Have joy. Paul knew how to have joy under pressure. And here's what we do. We choose to have joy under pressure. How? We go to the source. See, the disciples could have joy because their joy wasn't tied up in money. It wasn't tied up in circumstances. Uh, the disciples' joy wasn't tied up in possessions. Their joy was tied up in Christ. Jesus was the disciples and the Apostle Paul's ultimate source of joy. And I think we underestimate the capacity of joy in our lives because our God is a God of joy. Joy is one of God's attributes. And God wants to give us joy. But sometimes we think when we're under pressure that we don't have a joyful God. 
And isn't that true? When we're under pressure, we do all kinds of things that are irrational. Think about it. Family pressure is what keeps the fast food industry in business. When you think about happiness, what do kids think of? They think of a happy meal. But we parents know that that happiness is going to last about five minutes. And, and also, those kids are not going to eat the food in the box. Uh, they may drink the milkshake or whatever it is with it. And how many of you have tons of Happy Meal toys that are laying around your house or you've thrown away? But surely, only kids would be naive enough to think they could find happiness in a Happy Meal. Well, the older we get, we don't get no smarter. Our Happy Meals just get more expensive. So, what is your Happy Meal? That one thing that you think, if I could just have that, if I could just purchase that, if I could just have a camper, woo, if I could just have a 2011 Dodge Challenger, okay, I got it. Uh, if I could just have an airplane, okay, anybody else wearing that, that guilt? So what we see here is we think those things are our adult Happy Meal. And what we see is, is they don't produce the satisfaction. Because the God-sized cravings of our heart can't be filled with a Happy Meal any more than those kids are satisfied five minutes after they stop at McDonald's. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 4, 11-13, Christ was his strength. Christ was his joy. So that it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around Paul, he had the source of joy. And he could handle this because he chose Christ before there was high pressure. See, God doesn't mind when you come to Him with your problems, but God also wants you to come to Him when there are no problems. God wants to be your source of joy even when there aren't high pressure seasons of your life. Just like a parent doesn't want a kid to only come to them when they're in trouble or in need, they want them to come and just be a part of their life when things are normal. So Christians, you should be the most joyful, optimistic, hopeful people on the planet. Because we have more reasons for joy than anyone else. Because we're joyful. Our sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ has promised us eternal life. He has put His Holy Spirit in us. So we have reasons to rejoice Reasons to smile. So if you want to sustain joy under pressure, then we need to be people that have that joy. But also, if you want to have joy under pressure, then you need to focus on others. You need to focus on others. See, it's impossible to have Christian joy when you focus on yourself. Pressure causes us to focus on ourselves. And you cannot experience joy and be in a hurry. Do you hear me? 
You can't experience joy and be in a hurry because joy requires, joy requires living in the moment. And when you're hurried, a moment is something you don't have. Have you ever caught yourself hurried when you really didn't have to be hurried or anywhere to go and find yourself rushing around when you really didn't need to do that? I believe when you're hurried, you can't have joy. So if you find the joy in your family not there, maybe you need to develop the moment. And that's what road trips are all about. In a car, in a van, or on a camper, or taking vacation down to Tennessee over this fall break. So what we need to understand is, what is God's dream for your family? And are you building faith as a legacy in your family? I hope for these four children brought up here today that, that the parents are thinking about that. As the other 30 babies and the many kids we have in this church. So what can we do as a family to develop that faith legacy? First of all, we should have family prayer. Where you come together and pray, which you do that daily, and God becomes normal in your house. It's not just Sunday morning when they're up here sitting with Dan talking about a filter and praying there, but it's every day. Also, you have to make up it in your mind that when you have that family time together that you're building up your family to, to have conversations with it. How many times do you parents with, with elementary and middle school kids sit down and ask them and say, hey, what made you mad today? What made you sad? What made you glad today? conversation that makes the family connect and share where you're listening to one another and also the families that are thinking about a, a faith legacy encourage one another and spur one another on finding practical ways to encourage each other so why don't we do these things because we're under pressure when you do these things and there's pressure in your life, yes, it's a challenge, but it's a way to protect your family and connect. Studies have revealed that families who spend time regularly eating together with their kids, maybe even sitting together at McDonald's eating a Happy Meal, those kids have better homework skills. They have higher grades. Those kids that have family meals together have greater greater emotional control and more confidence. And a study, <coughs> a study that followed 65 families for eight years concluded that the common denominator among children that were high achievers, it wasn't wealth, it wasn't their appearance, it wasn't their IQ, it was simply the fact of the family spent time together. The family had dinners together. The family had road trips together. So to grow a family, it means protecting that time around the family, even though you're playing under pressure. We need to use road trips to create memories that, that our families won't forget. Yes, we're busy. Everyone is busy. Jesus was busy. But Jesus 
was never in a hurry. And how do we know that? Because you can't love in a hurry. And Jesus loved everyone. So we need to see <coughs> how we can focus on others. Philippians 2.3 says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility value others above yourself. In other words, consider others more important than yourself. Have you ever been in a room where someone else was more important than you? You should have been. If you were at a wedding, the bride is the center of the room and the most important person there. What if you happen to be on a road trip where your family becomes the most important people in the room? What if you were to treat them as if they were the most important thing to you? What would happen if your marriage, if you treated your spouse more important than yourself? Those could be game changers, folks. See, Paul continues, looking not to your own self-interest, but the interest of others. Paul is saying, live beyond yourself. <coughs> like the Christians in Acts 2. You see, average people look for their own interest. Average people look out for number one. But above average people look to the interest of others. If you focus on self and the family, what's going to happen is that family is going to be dysfunctional. But when you focus on others, that brings family together. See, there was a gravitational pull towards Jesus because Jesus was a person that was thinking of others even though we know he was the most important person in the room. Do you want to make a difference in people's lives? Do you want to make a difference in your family's life? Do you want to have more joy like the Christians in Acts 2? Third thing we do is align your attitude with Christ. In other words, you take responsibility for your own joy. Your joy is not your spouse's responsibility. It's not your mom or dad's responsibility. It's not your kid's responsibility. You are responsible for your own joy, which means you are responsible for your own attitude. Paul tells us, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So in the high-pressure seasons of life, we need to be there with that attitude. We need to give it to Jesus Christ rather than to come home and dump all the stuff from work and the world onto our family and mess up their joy. See, when it comes to family and road trips, <coughs> I believe parents need to eliminate two words. Parents, you need to eliminate the words, maybe later. Because there's going to come a day when your kids are not going to ask you anymore to do anything with them. They're not going to have you come play or chase them down. And you're going to regret all the times you said, maybe later. 
See, God wants the joy of heaven to come down here through you, parents, and into your home. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your joy and to give you joy in your family. And if you want to have joy, God wants to give it. So it's your responsibility. As I said earlier, at the end of your life, who do you think you will find surrounding you? Will it be those people you work with or those people you go and spend time with in card club or, or the civic organization you're in? No, it's going to be your family. And I pray that when you come to that point in your life, that you'll have memories of joy and love and laughter. I challenge you to have joy under pressure and to adjust your focus to others by, by spending time daily with your family in prayer and, and asking them what made you mad and glad and sad and, and encouraging one another. And as you take this road trip of life, most of all, to align your attitude with Jesus Christ's attitude, which is joy. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here today and we were blessed to witness the dedication of these four children, we thank you for godly parents that brought them here. And we thank you for a church that is here to support the children. And we just pray now that as we go through life that we can be people that understand that, that yes, we can be busy, but not be hurried, and that we can have the joy we need. It's in your name we pray. Amen.